You know, children can come up with some of the most extraordinary questions. Last week, I was putting my kids to bed. If you ever want to discover what's on a kid's mind, just put them to bed because they'll do everything they can to try to get more time awake and they'll try to get away from going to bed if, if they can just ask some questions. So there I was talking with the boys and strumming on the guitar, talking to them and just asking them about their day and here's some of the questions. Question number one, dad, why is it that we have two eyes but can only see one thing? Question number one, nine-year-old question. Question number two, dad, is throw up always green in color? Then one of them answered the question and said, no, no, it's not like that time I ate Doritos and had all that chocolate milk. It wasn't green then. I'm thinking, no, it, it wasn't green then. That's, it wasn't. There was a lot of it, but it wasn't green. But the closer that we got to, to winding it down, saying our prayers and, and saying goodnight, that's when the serious questions come out. They just, with one last thing, and like for instance, the question was, what makes a bad word a bad word? Question two was, Dad, do you ever wonder if we're just dreaming and haven't woke up from the dream yet to really live life? <laughs> I don't know who this kid is, but, <laughs> but he's nine years old. Then it gets more serious. Dad, do you think Papa and Nana can watch us from heaven? Then it gets heavy. Dad, if you and mom die, who would come and live with us? Okay, like I would love to be able to settle their fears and give them some kind of real flowery answer that parents oftentimes want to give. But I live in reality. My kids live in reality. And I would love to have given them the assurance. But since I'm a realist, I say to them, you know, uh, I don't have much say over that. Well, who does? I said, I guess God knows when I'll die, but that doesn't mean that God is killing me off or he's taking me from you. Well, who makes you die? I said, it's not who, it's, it's what makes you die is the question. Well, what makes us die then, Dad? I said, well, you know, I think to really understand that, it's It's sin. It's like our disobedience, the things that we've done wrong, that we've, we've broken this moral code, this moral law that God puts in front of us. And they said, so what if you don't sin? Do you still die? I said, uh, the Bible says all sin, falls short of the glory of God, we're all going to die. We've all sinned. Uh, so, but what if I were perfect? Would I die? Hmm. Then I said, well, what happened with Jesus? Well, he died. Then I said, uh, boys, death isn't your problem. It's not my problem. What we really need to be concerned about is where we will be after death. Okay, good night. I love you. <laughs> uh, because I'm mean. Now, my, my, uh, my boys haven't made a public decision for Christ. I don't know what they've decided in their hearts yet for Jesus. We have all sorts of discussions about who Jesus They haven't been in the baptistry yet, and they haven't made a public expression of what's happened inwardly, at least. And, and I, I'm pretty sure they haven't given up their spirit and asked God's Holy Spirit to take charge of their life. And be, 
because they have all these hard questions, what I try to do is to aim those hard questions to the God that has the answers. Because I don't. I don't have the answers. And they don't make sense to them. And I think rather, if they're big questions or not, let's just, let's just have God answer these questions. And the other night, I found myself having a very meaningful conversation, thought-provoking conversation about harmatology, that's the doctrine of sin, and sub- substitutionary atonement <laughs> with the two nine-year-olds and an 11-year-old. Now, they didn't know we were having that discussion. I didn't even know myself we were having that discussion. So I looked it up later online, what we were talking about. And, and I just decided, I'm going to give God these hard questions. I'm going to make God answer this stuff to them. What I was really trying to do was to have them in life, when life gets difficult, when they don't know how to answer, when, they don't, when a professor can't give it to them, when the counselor can't give them the answers, when dad and mom can't give them the answers, I was trying to teach them to go to God. With their hard answers, we, we've been in this series uh, how to how to live through a bad day. Evan and I have been trying to bring some practical ways so that we can endure some the suffering and, and the trials that we face, and, and do it not just to survive it, but to thrive within it. And and we've been doing that by looking at the way Jesus navigated his bad day, which might give us a route on how we can handle our bad day. And, and the day that Jesus died is called Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus died and endured horrific pain is called Good Friday. It was, it was a bad day for Jesus, but it turned out really good for us. That day, he was, he was flogged by the Roman soldiers, with, which, was, which is a thing that was just reserved for the most horrific of nightmares, with a whip that we've come to know as the cat of nine tails. But if you really looked into what the cat of nine tails did, you'll find it's more like a stiff broom with... Things that will just shred your back to ribbons. 39 times he was whipped with that. He was then forced to carry his cross through a jam-packed city of Jerusalem to the place of his execution outside of the city walls. And he either fell, tripped up, or he fainted because of the blood loss and intense pain and trauma he endured. So they, they pressed in Simon of Serene to help him to carry the cross towards Golgotha. There he, he was laid on the beam, stretched out his hands and his feet. Nails were driven into those hands and feet. And then he was raised so that everyone could see him. Along the major thoroughfare to enter the city, the, the freeway passed right by there. The city was packed full because a festival was taking place. Perhaps millions of people were there to watch that. They were, they were crying some were excited to see this actually take... There's nothing like this ever happens in their village. This was entertainment for some. Some were mocking Jesus. This was, this was great sport. Let's, let's see how we can insult the criminals. And others were, were bewildered. They just didn't know how to take it. But all of them watched the disturbing picture of our Savior die. It was public. And Jesus experienced the worst of what earth could offer so that we could experience the best that God could offer. And Jesus was persevering through the most severe trial that you could ever imagine on earth. And while he did that, he was able to talk and able to communicate. He was able to show us how to get through a bad day, is what he was doing. Now, all four of the Gospels have the story of the crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection in them. Now, you got to remember, they're done by four different witnesses. They're taken from a different perspective. And to really get a complete picture of what really took place that Good Friday, you'd have to add up all the Gospels, which is called a synopsis of the Gospels. 
But Matthew has traditionally been known as the gospel eyewitness writer that was able to kind of formulate everything that happened on that Friday, at least the best to his eyewitness account, and package it together in his gospel. Turn with me in Matthew 27, and, and let's look at the words that Jesus spoke that give us the lesson today on how we can better navigate our bad days and how we can direct our tough questions to God. Matthew 27, look at verse 45 with me. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. Now notice Jesus was on the cross for six hours, but for three of those hours, there was daylight in the morning. And at night, something very miraculous happened and God blotted out the sun. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. Three in the afternoon is just minutes away from when Jesus died. So this is near the end of Jesus' last and final dying breath. And he yells, Eli, Eli, lama shabachthani. Which which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Okay, so here's Jesus. He's going through the worst that the world could divvy out. And what's his big question? It is the same question that we have. It is the same exact question we all have when we experience some kind of of suffering or crisis. The question is, God, where are you? Why aren't you here bailing me out of this mess right now? The sky is falling in my life and you don't even seem to care. I feel completely forsaken. But what Jesus was doing, isn't this is incredible. What Jesus was doing on the cross was teaching still. He was teaching still. It's clearly a teaching. And he said it in Aramaic. The only phrase spoken on the cross in Aramaic. Aramaic was the the multicultural language. Everybody knew Aramaic. And when he said, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, people heard that and they caught it and they could grab hold of what he was teaching. What was he teaching? Number one, he was teaching that he really was the son of God. Because what he said was prophetic. Centuries before Jesus was on the cross, the psalmist wrote these words in Psalm 22. The psalmist had penned, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my my cries of anguish. You, You ever feel like that? Man, Jesus can empathize with you. If you've ever felt that way in a crisis, Jesus says, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I know what it feels like to be spiritually abandoned. My God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. By night, I don't find rest in this. And so Jesus was was clearly teaching that the one that had been prophesied about is here before you on the cross. And he's uttering words that were written hundreds of years before his existence. Second thing he was teaching, I think, is that when in times of distress, feel free just to cry out to the Lord. Like, share your heart with God. Don't hold back. Tell Him how you feel. I mean, here Jesus is saying, I feel completely betrayed by you, God. I know I'm not, but I feel that way. I know the facts of the matter, but I feel betrayed. I think He was betrayed. I think He was forsaken. I think, I think when, well, just like oil and water don't mix, God and sin don't mix. 
And we have to remember that this perfect Savior that lived a perfect life was no longer perfect anymore. Why? Because my imperfection, your imperfection, your imperfection, all the sins and imperfections of time before that were all laid down on Him that day in that moment. Here's how 2 Corinthians puts it. Here's how God's Word says it. It says, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. You catch that? This credible exchange took place. This swapping of of perfection and imperfection so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So he became the dirty laundry and we became the cleaned up rags. Jesus became sin. Why? So you might become a saint. You ever thought about that? Jesus was rejected. Why? So you could be accepted. You ever thought about it that way? Jesus became abandoned. Why? So you could be adopted. That's why. Third teaching Jesus had in just that little phrase. When bad times come, trust in God. I think that's what he's teaching. He's still crying out to God. He hasn't abandoned God. Some of you have gone through times when you have felt the torment of spiritual insecurity. The insecurity that says, what is my purpose in life? That's a spiritual insecurity. I don't know what I need to be doing, but I have this this tug on my heart that says you should be doing something more. Or how about this spiritual insecurity like, God, are you listening? You've prayed for so long and there doesn't seem to be any change whatsoever. There's a spiritual insecurity. God, are you here? Are you real? Are you listening? And any of you that have ever gone through those kinds of moments, Jesus can empathize. He's felt it. But he's let his, the facts of who God is climb above the feelings. You know what I think is interesting? It's how often people like me, people that have been in the faith for a long, long time, Christian people, where we say things like this, and I just don't think we think through it. We say, why, God, do the righteous have to suffer? Why do bad things happen to good people, is how society would say it. I ask questions like, God, why? Why why are children born with disability or challenges? You ever ask that question? I, I do need an answer to that one day in heaven. I think I've got it formulated on earth. I think I know it intellectually here. I just don't know it here in my heart. I want to know the question too. I want to know the answer to this question. God, why is it that there are these potentially great parents that I know who would love a kid and raise them up in the Lord, but they can't have kids. They're barren. And and yet it's there are some that I see that they don't even it seems like they don't want the child, but they're having the child. Every nine months they have another baby. Why is that, Lord? I think I know intellectually, I just don't, I just don't know it here. I just don't know it here. Like, I know what the scriptures say. The scripture says, no one's righteous, Matt, not even one. And I say, God, I know that. I get it. I, I, I know that all of us are going to endure pain. We're going to endure hurt. We're going to experience problems. The world's broken. This place is under a curse because of sin. And, and it just could have been a drop of sin. That's all. Just a, just a little drop of sin taints the whole thing. You know, like if if you were to have a glass of water in front of you, just the purest of water, and someone took just the most microscopic little drop of poison and dabbed it in the water, you wouldn't drink it. It would be tainted. It would become toxic to you. And let's just say that a, a cup of poison is passed to you. And then the microscopic drop of water's placed in it. You'd have nothing to do with that cup. You would push it away. You wouldn't even want to come close to that cup. Let me tell you how the world is. Let me tell you how the Bible talks about 
this cup of earth. Romans chapter 5, it says, When Adam sinned, sin into the world. There was the drop of poison in the glass of water. And Adam's sin brought death, and, and death spread to everyone for everyone's sins. Now this world is completely brimming over with a toxin of sin that we can't get away from. We're all plagued in it, and there's very little, very little left of what is right and righteous. So why? Why is there suffering? Real quick, sometimes we suffer because we're under Satan's attack. Let's just acknowledge it. This, this, this world is more than just flesh and blood. There are principalities and there's rulers of the darkness the Bible talks about. And many of us need to start praying, God, would you protect me from the arrows, the flaming arrows of the enemy? If you're not praying that prayer at some point in your life in some kind of way for your family and your kids, you need to start praying that prayer that God will protect their heart, their soul, their mind, and their strength from, from spiritual attack, which is very real. The Bible says that the devil is a roaring lion and he's looking. He's looking for someone to devour. Don't become easy prey. Number two, sometimes we suffer because of others' imperfection. Sometimes I just... It's not that they wanted to cause harm. Maybe sometimes they do want to cause harm to me, but sometimes they, more than, more than not, they don't want to cause harm to me. I've got this mailbox that a long time ago I had placed outside of my home. I did it, you know, a do-it-yourself project. I'm not very good at those, so I didn't really go, I don't think, by the regulations of the post office. And so this thing hangs out into the street. Now, it's been hit by cars. It's hit by cars nearly monthly. It has more Gorilla Glue and duct tape on it than they can possibly hold right now. But it's, it's still holding out. It's still working okay. And, and I, I hope that those drivers know that wasn't intentional that I put it there. And, and I hope they know that as they go back to pick up their side view mirror that I don't think it was intentional on their part either. I just know that sometimes, sometimes we suffer because of other people's imperfections. We also suffer because of our own imperfection. And, and no matter how th- thought out we can get, no matter how methodical or, or how much biblical counsel we can get to try to solve a problem, we, we just can make some bad mistakes because we're people that have bad judgment at times and we can make errors and we're not perfect people. E- even sometimes we create messes for ourselves and we know it. We're so reckless with our behavior and we act like there is going to be no consequence and sometimes we just act like we don't care about the consequence and Till the wave comes back and the tsunami starts. You see, there's times, though, I, I know, even though we know that, we know that intellectually, there are times, though, when we think God doesn't make sense. Why is he allowing us to go through this? What possible reasons could there be why I have to endure this kind of hurt? And Jesus showed us how to get through this really bad day. He showed us these wonderful principles of not how just to suffer through it, but how to thrive within it. And here's what we learn. When going through hard times, we can trust in God's character. Write that down. Trust in God's character. Because you're going to need this. You may not be in a storm now, but you're going to be in a storm sooner or later. You need to start trusting in God's character. That's what Jesus did. He just said, I know who God is, and it's going to overcome my feelings, my feelings of forsakenness. And I'm, I'm going to trust in the facts that God's going to welcome me in. I mean, there are all sorts of ways that we navigate the pain. And there's all sorts of things that we do to try to get away from it. Some of you run to family. Some of you run to friends. Some of you run to this church home. That's good stuff. Some of you put your, yourself into a substance and you try to numb the pain of that. You know, David, who was the king of Israel of the New Testament, he was the leader of their army. Their army was a real, a real scrappy and outnumbered force many a times. And so he had a 
bring courage to his men and he had to like really give them some resolve so they could go face an enemy army that was much stronger, bigger, and more brilliant. And here's what he'd tell them. He'd say, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but men, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some of you trust in finances, some of you trust in friends, some of you trust in your ability, but maybe during the hard times, the best thing to trust in is the Lord. Maybe. When you're going through a bad day and you face all sorts of troubles and pain, God says, trust in me. He's bigger than your trouble. He's going to give you the power so that you can endure the pain. Lamentations chapter 3 tells us about his character. Because of the the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Do you catch that? Because of God's love, you'll never be fully consumed by the crisis. His compassion, his compassions never fail. His love is so deep for you, he's not going to let you become overtaken by the hurt or the pain. There are now, there are new every morning, and great is God's faithfulness. We need to just say, God's faithful. God's not going to let me to be overcome by this. His compassion is too great for me. I may not feel it, but that's the facts of it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust in God's character here. I think when, when bad days don't make sense, we can trust in God's promises. I've been told that the Bible records 3,573 promises from God to us. Promises that you can hold on to, can you take them to the bank because God has delivered them already. Here's what 2 Corinthians says about it. For all of God's promises has been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. Like everything's going to be fulfilled. Why? Because Christ is going to make sure that the promises of God are fulfilled. And, 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 and through Christ, your amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. So while I'm hurting I need to just remember God's promises and all that he's been faithful to do. And as God cried out, Jesus cried out to his father, why have you forsaken me? I know that he knew never would God forsake him, never would God abandon him. And we need to know the, the truth of that promise too found in Hebrews. That God will never forsake you. God will never leave you. God will walk with you as you endure the crisis. And I think when bad days don't make sense, we need to trust in God's deliverance. I look at the Old Testament book of Daniel and I see these three historic guys that have just the most heroic of stories as they stand up for God when all the world has knelt down before idols. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the time, he had decided that he was going to have a false god to be worshipped and anybody who didn't worship it would be put to death in an intensely heated furnace. And here stood Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are loyal to God and they decide not to kneel down and, and they are immediately sentenced to be executed in the oven. The, the, the fire of that oven is so intense that the radiant heat kills the executioners. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are clearly tied up and they're thrown into the furnace. But wait, they don't die. No, they don't die. They're, they're walking around and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar is intrigued by this. He's recognizing this, this incredible miracle of God. And here's what he says. Look, the, these four men are walking around in the fire and unbound, unharmed. And the fourth looks like the, fourth looks like the son of gods. There were three that went in and four that were found in it. You know, most theologians say that that fourth figure in the flames was Jesus Christ himself. Which is a full reassurance that as I, 
As I get thrown into fiery trouble, that no matter how hot it gets, God is with me and his hand is on the thermostat controlling the heat. They still face the fire, but God saved them. Hey, look, when bad days come, we need to be reminded that these days aren't going to last forever, right? This is not the, that there's going to be, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. and We fear no evil because God's rod and his staff are with me. He leads us through the valley to streams of refreshing. I don't know if this bad day turns into a bad life for you. But I do know that once life is over, there is the guarantee of Scripture that the bad is no longer there for those who are in Christ. There is no weeping. There is no mourning. There is no hurt. There is no pain. I just talked to a man that has chronic illness this morning. And I looked at him and said, one day this will all go away. And he weeped up and said, I can't wait for that day. God's word tells us this is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, because that's what happens physically. Our spirits are being renewed every day because that lasts forever. For our present troubles are small and they, they won't last very long. Small compared to what we have waiting for us. Yet, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs and, and will last forever. So, we don't look at the troubles we see now. Rather, we, we fix our gaze on things we cannot, cannot be seen. That's eternity. For the things we see now will soon be gone. And we say, thank God. Thank God. But the things we can't see will last forever. You know, when your bad day doesn't make sense, trust in God's hand of deliverance. He'll see you through it. You'll walk through the valley, but he'll get you through it with his strength and protection. You know, to trust in God. To trust in God when you don't have all the answers, it's crucial that you do trust if you want to thrive rather than just survive the crisis. And here's what, here's what God wants for you. Same thing he wants for me as we endure crisis, as we endure suffering. He wants that bad day to make us better. And some of you are asking why God would allow hurt and suffering. Why would he allow it? That's a huge question. Why would he allow this? He allows it so it can refine us. Like metal goes into the crucible and comes out and the dross is burned away and just the, the purities are left. There are some rough edges in my life that need to be rounded down. There are some things in my life that, that can be refined through God's permittance of me to experience the problem. It doesn't mean He's brought the problem. He's just allowing me to go through it and seeing that I make it to the end. So the biggest question is, why God? Why is this happening to me? Well, it's because we can learn from it. Let's look at it like this. While we're asking why, let's learn something. You know, God had something to teach us. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 8 says, even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience through what? From the things he suffered. He, he learned through his suffering. And God's saying, man, I want you to learn why you, why you experience the hurt, why you experience the flames, why you go through the heat of life. I want you to be refined by that. You know, when, when Kelly and I, um, my wife Kelly and I were experiencing complications in a pregnancy just many years ago, we asked the question so many times of God, why? 
We just, we just didn't understand it. And then finally when we, we, we had some sense to ourselves, we finally said, let's learn from this. We stopped asking why. We started asking what. God, what are you teaching me? Not why are we going through this? What are you trying to teach me? And then we learned. We learned some things that could only have been learned in that particular situation. We learned to lie on some friends and family that we would have never relied on before. We, we learned that God's plans for our life are far superior than any plans I could come up with of, of my own. We learned to rely on God more than to rely on ourselves. We learned through that experience and we came out of it refined. You know, the Apostle Paul had not just a bad day. The guy had a bad life. And God never held back the suffering to him, even though we consider him a saint today. He endured all sorts of hardships and problems, and it refined him. And Paul stopped asking why, and he started asking what. And when he did, his whole perspective changed on his problems. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, he's saying, the whole life that's been bad, that's been on display for you. What's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And that's what Paul was all about. He was about advancing the gospel, but he he wanted to preach from the platform. And unfortunately, God said, you're not preaching from the platform. You're going to preach from prison. (laughs) Paul didn't understand that, and he stopped asking why. And when he stopped asking why and started asking what, he finally said, God, I'll do it your way. And when he did, he was able to preach to, well, he's still preaching, isn't he? Second, to navigate your way through a bad day, not just lean or learn while asking why, but start loving while asking why. You know you can still love people even though you're in the middle of crisis. Last week, Evan taught us about empathy. You know what empathy is? Empathy is when I can say to you, I've felt that pain before and I have an understanding of how bad it hurts. Empathy brings connection. It's, it's much deeper than sympathy. Some of you, you are here today, you're suffering from some pains and some hurts and some, some trauma that you think is only reserved for you and for you to walk through. And I'm here to tell you, there are others in this room that have felt the sting of when a spouse had said, I'm done and I'm leaving. There are others in this room too who have heard the words, you're fired. There's others in this room that have heard the, the, the statements of the doctors. It's cancer, it's inoperable. Uncurable. There are others in this room that are still reeling and hurting because they know what it is like to lose a son or a daughter. You're not alone. And we need to keep on loving while we're asking why. You know, one of the greatest letters we ever received, my wife and I ever received, was, was given to us from a young lady that attends this congregation who wrote it after her brother was killed in a tragedy. She heard that Kelly and I had lost our, uh, my, my father and her mother just days apart from each other. And it just, in her empathy, she was com- compelled to write this amazing letter that just dripped with compassion. It just oozed with healing. It just flowed with understanding. And she had decided that in her hurt, in all of her asking questions of God why she was going to continue to love and say, I can empathize with them. I know the hurt of losing someone I love. Don't forget to love others while you hurt. Don't let trouble, don't let the trouble you're going through keep you from loving people. You see, your pain 
may be what is needed to help people through their problem. Third, here's how we can find guidance on our bad day. Lean while asking why. Just lean. Some of us lean into family. Some of us lean into friends. Some of us lean into this church family. These are all good places. But the best place to press into is, of course, God himself. You know what I find too often? I find too often people that are committed Christians, when the going gets tough, they walk away from the place that's going to be best for them. They walk away from this fellowship. They walk away from God himself and they, they think that God's mad or angry or, or really has forsaken them and they let feelings override facts. And we just, we need to press into God during these times of trial. Psalms 46 says it like this. God is our protection and our strength. He always helps in times of trouble. Not just in some cases, right? In all cases. And you're saying, yeah, but I've made a real mess. God says, I'm always here to help you. So we will not be afraid even if the earth shakes or the mountains fall into the sea, even if the oceans roar and foam or the mountains shake at the raging sea. It sounds like global warming is taking place here. Do not be afraid. Do not be upset. Why? Lean into God. Lean into, when you don't know what's going on, when the crisis is too big, when the crucible seems too hot, lean into God. He wants to help. Hey, let's just say for a moment that, that your father's a multimillionaire. I know we're dreaming, right? Your father's a multimillionaire. And he's always loved you. You've always known his love. He's always been friendly to you and loving to you. There's never been any issues there. And you found yourself now going through a series of misfortunate events. You've lost your home. You've lost, you've lost your savings. You've lost your pension. You've lost your cards. You've lost everything. In your, the only thing attached to your name now is debt. Don't you think the wisest idea would be to go back home knowing your father's financial status and ask him because he loves you for help. And don't you think it would be foolish to ignore his fortune and to ignore his love for you? And God says, I welcome you into my arms. I got more than a financial fortune here. I've got, I've got a spiritual fortune and so many of you are bankrupt and you've been bankrupt because of the sufferings you've gone through and you've just pushed God away and God said, would you just run to me? I'm, I'm full of this stuff. I've got more than you can, you can even, you can even take. Proverbs 3 puts it like this. It advises us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, do what? In all your ways, submit to him. Acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. To trust in God and to start to lean into him. And you know what else we can do when we're, when we're experiencing some tough days? We can lift up God. We can lift up God through worship and stop asking why. Let's just stand together. And as you stand, you just listen. Listen to the people that God has delivered in the scriptures. And see if, if he's delivered them, if he cannot deliver you. God deserves our celebration of him. Why? Because he delivered Job from his misery. He delivered Noah from the flood. He delivered Moses from the slavery of the Egyptians. And Joseph from the evil intent of his brothers. He delivered Jonah from the storm and Daniel from the lion's den and Jeremiah from his depression and he delivered Esther and her nation from genocide and delivered David from the giant and Elijah from the wicked queen Jezebel. God delivered Joshua from his enemies, the Amorites and God delivered Paul from his absolutely miserable life and God delivered his son Jesus who shouldn't have had to be delivered but my sin Put him in a spot where he had to be. Don't you think he'll soon deliver you? Don't you think he'll soon deliver you? Here's what scripture says. Do you see what, do you see what you've got? You got, an un, you got an unshakable kingdom. 
Do you see how thankful we must be? Not only thankful, but brimming with worship. Deeply reverent for God. For God is not indifferent. He, God's not an indifferent bystander. He's not, he's not hands off the control. He's in that hospital room with you. He's here today beside you. He's in that room when the argument gets out of hand. He's actively cleaning house, your house, your life, t- torching all that needs to be burned. You got some stuff in your life that just need, you need to get rid of? And he won't quit until it's all clean. God himself is a fire. And you're walking through it so you can be refined. And we should celebrate God that he loves us enough to keep his hand on the thermostat and make sure that as we walk through the furnace, that he's walking with us. Amen to God.